on the couch in the room in the studio today. My friend Caleb is out doing seminary type things, studying Arabic or Hebrew or some other ancient language of some kind I've never heard of. And instead, in his stead, I have my friend Joel Ballou. Welcome, Joel. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I oh, have a friend, by the way. That was... <laughs> That was like you said you weren't going to be overly professional, and that sounded kind start, of well, like when very professional. Me like that, That's <laughs> it. I was going to say thanks for rubbing in my face that you I'm not biblically and trained in those Caleb. ways or biblically important. Well, Apparently, you know, Caleb is a very special individual. No, well, you know, he's never surmount to. He's uh, he's applying himself rigorously to studious things of a biblical nature. Was and, it literally, uh, he's just not going to be here today, and you say goodbye to me. No, actually, uh, <laughs> that was a, that's a good question. Are you are basically are you my sloppy yeah, like, seconds here? Let's uh, be honest. No. I really didn't want to be you, here. No, actually, we were going to do. So here's actually the truth. So we're doing elder installation on this coming Sunday, okay. and Caleb's one of those too, along with Zach Gilcrease. Yeah. And we were going to do an interview with one or both of them this week, uh, as a sort of way for the church to just kind of hear more personally from them. On the, the podcast. Aftermath. So instead, we're going to do that retroactively. So we're going to do that next week. So I actually pushed that out in order to have you on since okay. you were in town. That's all right. Look I thought, it. hey, let's take advantage of you being here. I feel highlighted. Let's have a little time with you on the podcast. Let's introduce you to the Generations family. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going I to feel have loved. a little... Uh, Thank you for that. Hey, no worries. That's a, a once-in-a-lifetime no. thing. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so here, here's our intention. Uh, Joel Ballou is mm. uh, a missionary... In Colombia, South America, on the northern mm-hmm. coast, in Barranquilla. You'll say that better than I do. Barranquilla. There we go. You're showing right. off. Yeah. You're showing off. That's cool. Um, and you and your wife, Angel, mm-hmm. uh, are there with your three girls. So we're going to get introduced yeah. to you guys and your ministry there. But first, I'm going to talk a little bit how we know each other. Yes. Um, and I'll give a little bit of this, that background story. Cool. So, uh, and you, you can... Interrupt. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you. Hey, let, let me say this totally unnecessarily. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong or weigh not, in if you feel like it. Here, here's actually a pretty funny story as an introduction. I was in, uh, Joel and Angel got married about a month after Betsy and I. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I was a true. groomsman in Joel's wedding. Mm-hmm. And neither Joel or I remembered that that was the case. That was actually true. Our wives were quite upset with us. (laughs) Namely, my wife. My wife got a little offended. Which which which, I don't know why, but it's okay. Yeah, which kind of hits on how we reconnected a few years ago. So this is sort of a, a, a bit of a... God thing. Um, It's much of a God thing. So Joel went to uh, the much maligned GAC uh, for high school, Greater Atlanta Christian. We have a few GAC grads. Uh, Yeah, we have a few GAC teachers. This church has gotten much better. Some retired GAC teachers uh, in our midst. Yeah, so we have some GAC folks representing here. Closer to God. Uh, So in order to, I'll give you a little shout out. So Peyton McDonald is a GAC uh, alum. Uh, Lonnie Latham is a GAC alum. Uh, Chuck Pinson is a GAC alum, and his wife is a teacher there. I can't remember if she's an alum. Do you know? I would assume Deborah. so. I usually hire them. So, um, so and then Jackie was taught. Uh, Jackie um, Swan was a teacher oh, okay. there for a long time, and uh, she just retired this last year. Oh wow! Um, so really, this place is a good place to be. Yeah, we got yeah. a bunch of GAC people. Is there a lot of providence now? Here? We have a few beloved. A few representatives yeah. of the beloved Providence. The stars, yeah. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I still actually, it's funny. Uh, Are they still the so stars? Ephraim, my son Ephraim go, and, and Daniel, they go to uh, Providence, and they've changed. The, 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 the mascot was stars when I was there. Okay. But it's, it's, it's now anymore. Storm. Oh, my gosh. And I'm not okay. sure. That's it's, even worse. I don't okay. feel like either one's I, good. I feel like we Like, really I'm a little embarrassed by both. Scraping the barrel. For what that. are you guys, the Spartans? Is Spartans, that right? yes. Yeah. Very. I don't know if godly would be the right word for that one, but that's okay. Well, very manly. Uh, yeah, kind of I mean, it's okay. I mean, I feel like you're a Christian school. You should be Eagles, but okay. Okay, that's fine. Um, Lions. Yeah. Anyway, you are a GAC alum as well. I am. I am. Graduated um, 2000. So Joel and I first met. Your cousin went to Providence. And yes, that's right. I went to two Providence. Two or three of them went. And your cousin went to my church uh, growing up. I did not know that. Jared? Yeah, I mean, I didn't know they went to your church. I you didn't know, know that Jared and no, Aaron and their family? 
are, are you serious? No, I your uncle Tim no was an elder at our church. I think at one point. I did not from know my dad. that. We're oh, learning yeah. new things today. Yeah, hundred percent. Ground is being broken. Yeah, it's actually we have a lot of overlap of life. So okay, <laughs> so I'm gonna. People are gonna be so confused by the end of this. So. Uh, so Joel and I played against each other in basketball in high school. From grade pretty much 10 through, I think. Well, nine. no, I was only at Providence for two years. That's right, you were only so, so, so for two years. Just, yeah, and senior. then we ended up at the same college, Tacoa Falls Christian College, where we played basketball, played basketball together. together. Yeah. Uh, Joel met his wife, Angel, at Tacoa Falls. Yeah. She was on so, the women's basketball team. I was on the women's and, basketball team. And women's volleyball. And, and so we were in the same friend group through college. So I watched your relationship kind yeah. of bud and come awesome. to. Yeah. Was the word I like come to, use. to fruition. Okay. And uh, so then, uh, so then we get out of college, and shortly after that, you got married. I met yeah. Betsy. We got married right before. So, what's your anniversary? December what? No, no, no. Jan, January eighth. Oh, January eighth. Okay, we're yeah. December fourth. Okay, so, so that was, was yeah, it was really like a month and four days. And uh, apparently, yeah, I was I was the groomsman in the wedding. So we, I'm at the we- I'm in the wedding. We go to that whole thing. That's where Betsy meets you guys. Literally. Yeah. Oh wait, we did Fogo de Chao for the. Is that right? Oh yeah, no, oh. We, did, we did Fogo de Chao for the. For the, what's the, the, the when you get, right before you get married. What's the the groom's thing night thing? The rehearsal dinner. Rehearsal. The dinner. rehearsal dinner at Fogo de Chao. Yeah. Thank you for that. Because my wife still appreciate the story. I'll tell you later. Uh, yeah, so Brazilian steakhouse. So we did that. So my wife met you for that, that weekend. Night. And then, um, and then we don't see you guys talk to you guys much after that for years. Probably, yeah, eight to ten years. Eight to ten Minimum, years. Probably eight to ten years. You're working for the business. Yeah, your so family I went into college basketball coaching for several years. Was a college basketball coach, obviously. Oh yeah. If you see me in person, I'm not the smallest individual in the room. And uh, so got into that, and then finally came back and and joined family businesses, and yeah, started my own business through that. But uh, yeah, so it was probably. A legit, it was probably more like 12 to 14 years, honestly. Because if you, again, go yeah, probably in the 12 story, range, it's probably, probably the 12, 12 range, yeah. I would say, because we've been. Yeah. And in that yeah. time, you had a few kids. Yeah. So I have three daughters, 14, 12, and 10, Taylor. They're all, we say this, we're not political. I always have, I say this every time. We're, uh, all of them are president's names. So Taylor, <laughs> Reagan, and McKinley. Do they happen to represent the same parties? No. Do, do you know what party uh, McKinley and Taylor were with? But I think we all know Reagan. I think two of them were literally like assassinated or died in office. <laughs> that is legit serious. That's a little ominous. It is a little awkward. <laughs> my, my daughter, our daughter Reagan, knows you as the family with the daughter named Reagan. Reagan. Yeah. She She's actually. Like, when are we going to see the family that has the daughter named Reagan? Well, every time we see her, she asks me where the daughter named Reagan is. Legitimately. It's like, do you know that we yeah. have other kids? Yeah. Oh, there's, there's four others. She's not old enough for me to get mad at, but yeah. I would. Oh, <laughs> spend a little time. <laughs> you you can get there. Um, <laughs> uh, what, do, what do you know about Zachary Taylor and uh, is it William McKinley? Can we get a can we get a fact check on that? I think it is William. Can you look up parties? I have Scotty's in the room. No, no, no. But they every were, once in a while we get a podcast with a person on, and Scotty's here to fact check, fact check and kind of. And by the way, if anybody's going to get fact checked. Old Ral's going to try to fact check me. Oh, for I will sure. absolutely. You make some of the most outrageous <laughs> claims ever. I occasionally do make. Okay. I, so important side note about me. I am. I have been in sales <laughs> my entire life. So for those of you listening. Say no more. You will understand. I tend to make outlandish claims. And yeah. if you know me. one. We had a recent that. guest on the podcast, Andrew Hickson, who's a city councilman and also is in something like sales. And uh, he's another one that I have to fact check regularly on things. And uh, that's great. So, uh, in fact, that that brings up a point. How many um, do we have views on Andrews or hits on listens on Andrews podcast? He's fact-checking something else. Joel's moment. kind of a results guy as a businessman, and so oh, yeah. he, he, you have a goal going into today, don't you? Do you Folks, want to be? Do, yes. you want to, do you want to act like you don't? Or? I know I'm going to very okay. much act. I, I, All right. I'm What's ashamed. your goal? What's your goal for the day? At least 200 listens. You I want 200 be, listens. Well, you want to be, be the most listened to episode of weekday worship in the history listens, of the show. We're going to do something fancy for the generation stretch. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is yet. We're promoting. Well, we, we're promoting. If we get you 200 listens, will you be the sponsor? You will. I am sponsoring. Okay, Colabor is sponsor. We'll introduce everybody to Colabor. Yeah, we'll do that. But you're committed to be a sponsor for the podcast with your business, Cola Bore. For 100%. Uh, if you get the most listens. If I get the most What about listens? if you don't? Are you still interested in being a sponsor? <laughs> if I get the most that ever was. I have to get over 200, but if I get over the oh. most that ever was, which is not a hard thing to do. I've heard. Rumor e- has it. <laughs> Easy. Rumor Easy. Scotty was very informative in that fact check. Uh, do we have Andrew's numbers? Yes. So Andrew has 82 listens currently on his. Ooh. So He's going he's gonna to struggle with hearing that. 
the tithing episode following that got 89 listens, Andrew. Oh, so, so, so far, tithing's been listened to more than you. That and that's hurts. the most, that's, that, that's the subject most people want to avoid. So, <laughs> so put it out there. Wow, Andrew. Um, okay, William McKinley is his name. We were right on that. He was the 25th president. But he's like in a weird party. Oh, okay. He's, nope, he was a Republican party. Oh, he was. So who's our other one? Zachary Taylor. Zachary Taylor. Ooh, the Whig Party. He saves you from coming off as polar, uh, 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 as polarizing. Yeah, it's basically, it's basically partisan. Yeah, we we do we tend to lean partisan. Right, so you are not political, not partisan. No, you're saying, as evidenced by the fact that you named your daughter after a member of the Whig Party. Yes. And proof. Reagan. I that's mean, proof. That, I feel like that's great because you keep it mixed. Right? We have bookends. <laughs> so we have Taylor. We have Reagan. I promise this episode is going to go somewhere. No, it will. At not. some point, we will not. We're going to go an hour and a half just talking no. <laughs> about us. <laughs> okay. But so let's be honest. What kind of insight did you just get out of that? You just learned something. I learned, I learned some things about two presidents I didn't know. <laughs> um, and one of them actually did get shot. Which one? I can't remember. McKinley or okay. Taylor? You don't even know? Are you kidding me? I mean, you named your daughter after the presidents. Yeah. In hindsight. At what point did you realize that they were all named after presidents? After someone said to us, <laughs> and we're having our third daughter. Literally, Angel was pregnant with her third. And they were like, awesome. hey, did you guys know? Yeah. Are they presidents? And we're like, what? And it was that oh crap moment, right? Like, yeah. Get, oh my gosh, now we have to name. And we have to go find a name for a kid that worked for a girl. So. That is so funny. We McKinley's about, great. Yeah, McKinley's awesome. Does she life. have a nickname? Ken. Ken. Yeah, Ken. Ken. All right, because we have McLean and, and the nickname, like the shortened is Mac. Oh, so, well, it's a lot easier. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't like Mac. Uh, all right. So you <laughs> let's roll it back. We no, had a 12-year window where we more or less didn't speak much to each <clears> other because <throat> you were mad at me. I, no, um, don't say that. <laughs> you. No, just life was busy. We went in different directions. No, and yeah, then, so you were here, though. You were running a business in Duluth yeah. area, living there, yeah. going to church, uh, mostly in one church at that time, right, for that duration? Yeah, we, we had been at one church. Um, a, well, not one church. There actually isn't one church in Duluth. Yeah, share a little bit about, uh, let's let's go test. I mean, you grew up around church, in church, in a Christian school, yeah. went to a Christian college. It wasn't like spiritual things were foreign to you or like Mm-mm. whatever, Mm-mm. but... But you had your wanderings. I did. And I did. talk a little bit about kind of maybe where where you were and how God brought you to this place of sort of surrenderedness sure. that ultimately kind of catalyzes where you are today. Yeah, I, I think the the you know the Reader's Digest or the condensed version is it's easy for me. It was you know you hear it a lot, unfortunately. But I was just a I was a kid who was loved. My parents are awesome people. They were they poured into me every ounce. I have a uh, sister who has Down syndrome, and so I got to. I got to experience what that was like for a long time. Sweetest. So yeah. She is literally the sweetest person on the planet, although in her 30s, she's a different story now. I'm not going to share this with my parents so I can say these things. <laughs> but no, you know, she's awesome. But growing up, it was always this, you know, there's, there's something missing, right? We always talk about that in, in stories that we people we disciple. But there was just something missing. And so I really kind of, I started drinking at 13. I started doing drugs at 13. And kind of led a wild life because, you know, right, the private school kid who is supposed to love Jesus goes to a Christian high school, Christian K through 12, went to church pretty much every Sunday, just was lacking something, was just missing something. I didn't know what that was, but just latched on to anything that the world had to offer. You know, my story is not to be glorified. I always joke that it was an interesting, it was a unique story in the way that I was a rich kid just looking for anything, Mm -hmm. right? And anything, literally anything. So I, it was cool because I had a ton of friends in very different groups and subgroups of mm-hmm. culture at the time. But it was just, it was weird. It was, I was just looking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I didn't get saved till I was, I didn't come to know Jesus really intimately until I was 17. So I accepted Jesus. So my parents found a large amount of drugs in, in my room at, at one point. And it was basically, we're going to call the cops or you're going to go to a Christian counselor, right? What, what do you do at that age? They didn't know what to do with me at 16, 17 years old. Yeah, they were lost, and, and I I credit them for doing what they did because it got me to where I am today. But I end up going to a Christian counselor. He leads me to the Lord in his office, which to this day was the most uncomfortable thing. Still, I remember it to this day. Mm-hmm. And I took a mission trip to Mexico the next like a month later, literally to the day. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of thing. I didn't know who Jesus was. Still, was that like a church trip or it was a GAC trip? Okay, so it was actually, and they had just started. That was really cool. And that was foundational for me. I went with all our friends and, you know, the time a girlfriend. And it was just a really cool experience. Mm-hmm. And then from then, it just started to, it, it was kind of a progression. It wasn't one of those revelatory moments, I always say mm-hmm. that to people. You know, I didn't, I didn't accept Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden, 
feel the Holy Spirit just wash over me. It wasn't mm-hmm. one of those. For me, it was a prog- as a progression, so mm-hmm. to speak, for years. So yeah, yeah. So, and then it was, and then it, the next logical step, right? And frankly, I don't even think you know this. I we were I was you know we were a good basketball team at GAC at GAC. <laughs> I mean, we kind of beat you every time. Uh, not true. But how many times? Let's. We don't have to fact check that because it was true. <laughs> no, we had the Eric Hunter buzzer beater. Game. That's true. That that happened very rarely. The, it did happen. You guys the Eric Hunter buzzer times. beater. I mean, have you ever been in a high school environment like that? Seriously, in all your games, a, a couple, but very rarely. I mean, like it was bananas. No, that like in terms was. of like packed wall to wall and like game that came down. Well, like, for those that don't know, Providence. That was GAC one of my at great that point. Was I mean, it was the rivalry. Yeah, uh, we were the North Carolina Duke of Gwinnett County. It really was. <laughs> Is that a thing? Uh, That's the greatest crosstown rivals, <laughs> right down the road, and we were similar-ish in size at the time. GAC's much bigger, oh, no, no. At the much time, beyond. I mean, you guys are in a much higher class and now. It was very. They were very similar educations. They were right, very similar in right. the faith state. There was genuine, so like real, kind of resentment, hostility, oh, rivalry, like we wanted to crush each other. Oh, no, it was. But it was yeah. it was healthy. I mean, we didn't, yeah, it wasn't we, like... It wasn't bench-clearing brawls. No, 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 no. It was, no, just like, I say hatred and resentment in like the sports sense. Sure, no, 100%. So I see James, and, and James and I at least connected through playing, mm-hmm. and I had realized, oh, wait, if he's playing at Tacoa, then that's, there's an opportunity for me, too. <laughs> I think you said that... <laughs> That I didn't know this, and I thought for a minute it was going to be a compliment, but I think it was just a real backhand. It was a backhander on purpose. Okay, so if that guy can play. If, if he can make it in college basketball, then that yeah. means there's a spot for me. <laughs> That's a low enough level of play yeah. that I'm certainly be. capable. Yeah, because I, again, I'm six foot so, six. So, okay. At that point, I could jump out of the gym, but anyway. I hate so. you, but go ahead. <laughs> But at that point, I was, again, trying to figure it out. So what was the great logical conclusion for a guy who's figuring out who Jesus is and, you know, still kind of lead a wild life at that point? I really was. Um, And still wanting to play basketball. And I I desperately wanted to play basketball. That was my identity, right? So my identity was definitely in tune with... So obviously, small Christian school. Small, well, and literally, this was my thought process. You know, I I saw you go there and I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is a great opportunity. And it was, oh, they love Jesus? Well, I probably need to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's yeah. you know, isn't that what you're supposed to do? I had no idea. Right? Is I'm there just, any oh is gosh. there any um is there any way retroactively do you think to go back to Tacoa where I could get a kickback for inadvertently recruiting you? I feel like that's only fair. Like maybe I should be compensated I for feel, that. Let's be honest, the compensation would not have been high. That's <laughs> just sorry to go false college <laughs> yeah. participants. Here's listening. a dollar. Yeah. Um okay. So you end up at Tacoa. You end up at Tacoa and you know, still very much led a wildlife, right? You you could attest to some of those things. I was uh, not living a wild life, so I don't know not, what you're no, talking about. Very much seeing my life. And again, <laughs> James and I, at that point, as we developed, I think we developed a relationship shortly after my, so it would have been your sophomore year, my freshman year. Your freshman year, yeah. Yeah, it was a year ahead of you. So, yeah, you were a year ahead of me. So we developed a relationship, I think, shortly, just because basketball led yeah. to the friend group yeah, we that were, it was. Yeah, we were teammates, so we were Yeah, so tight. we were obviously, obviously closer. And, uh, yeah, so it was really didn't start to figure out Jesus till after college, which is odd, because it is a Bible college. Tacoa is... You know, I don't want to knock it. It was a great school for me at the time of my life, but it is a Bible. I mean, we graduate. We've all got, of us graduate uh, with thirty hours of Bible. Something uh, like that. Yeah, uh, with with probably an inconsistent theology taught throughout them because I don't think there yes. was a coherent uh, sort of uh, well, you just called that d- up, d- anyway. doctrinal framework that they were all teaching from. Yeah, I, I think that's the case. You know, Jamie Merritt. You remember? I do. You remember Jamie? And I do so well. Jamie. Jamie's a pastor in Gwinnett County. He's preached at our church before, and we're oh, cool. we're tight uh, still. And Jamie was there. And then um, we got a guy named. Um, uh, Joey Greer at our church, who's a Tacoa graduate. Actually, oh, okay. he won. Joey That's played crazy, golf dude. there. Joey won a national title for the golf team at Tacoa. When did he go there? Uh, he's he wasn't around us, was he? Joey, you're gonna have to forgive me if I get this wrong. Uh, he's 33, 34, I think. So way younger than us. He, uh, easy. <laughs> That's not way younger. <laughs> well, easy. You, you're getting up there. Let's be Where, How old are you? You're 41, right? 41, yeah. 41, yeah. I'm 41, age, too. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, cool. eh, I mean, it's seven, eight years old. We're like seven, eight years older than Yeah, but like, something in, like that. In, yeah. in reference time. to college, that's that's his yeah. thing. So, and, and then, uh, you know, the guys that we played ball with. That we, like, I mean, I've talked with people that... They went to Tacoa, and I think that's that's kind of the consistent thing. I don't think they had, like, I mean, they're orthodox. Like, there's no heretics at Tacoa. There wasn't. No. But they had differing 
theological perspectives that, that Bible teachers were teaching from. Well, but again, so. think about it from my vantage point, right? You kind of came in with that background a little bit more than I did. Yeah. I walked in there going, I was, I was overwhelmed. Yeah. yeah right. Because yeah. it was just so much. For, it was like a seminary. To me, it was beyond seminary. <laughs> and I struggled yeah. mightily. And I, you know, I I pushed back heavily because mm-hmm. it wasn't what, right, it wasn't faith. Well, you weren't there so necessarily because you wanted to study Bible. No, you were there because you wanted to play basketball. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I needed, and again, I knew, and my parents were smart in that. They pushed me towards Christian colleges. So yeah. of my recruiting list, it was definitely you know, yeah, all still Christian good colleges. for you. And um, yeah, so you were still dabbling in some wild ishness. Yeah, no, I was at I the was time. A wild but ass. you met Angel, which was obviously a pivotal thing so for we, you. What did and, we meet? And Angel grew up uh, as a missionary kid in Brazil. Her parents were missionaries to yeah. Brazil, so that tell, was tell her story. She's she lived in Brazil in Sao Paulo, the second largest city in the world. Pretty much her whole existence. Next to, next to Atlanta. Yeah, next to Atlanta. <laughs> next to Mexico City. Oh. But uh, yeah, so she literally grew up in a place that was super unique. And so she came to college, you know, totally outside of that culture and world. But because Tacoa was a kind of a missionary producing school and the the denomination it was. Had yeah, Tacoa is affiliated with the Christian Missionary Alliance, whose driving force is global missions. And if you go almost anywhere on the planet, it yeah. seems, you've got... CMA presence there, 100%. Uh, where we work in Burkina Faso historically has had CMA presence, and I'm sure they do in. Uh, well, do they in Colombia? Yeah, they, yeah. Well, I mean, they pull them out, but yeah, okay. they do yeah, but they've got they've got folks everywhere. So yeah, not only that, but they're the largest missionary producing college so, yeah. in the world. So that's the Tacoa is literally. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I always laugh because when I when I travel for missions purposes around the globe, Tacoa Falls is. Not a place you brag about going to school here, right? Yeah. And people are like, "What? Where? Who? Huh?" You know, not from a sports standpoint, educational standpoint, whatever. But you get into a missionary circles, and oh. you say you went to TFC, and you may as well have gone to Harvard. Yes. Yeah, people are like, "What?" No, I, I, missionaries I, are like really impressed with think it. Think about how that's paid off for me in the long haul. I used to get killed yeah. in the business community that's for where fun. I went. Now. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Home that's run funny. city, dude. Uh, hilarious. So uh, anyway, so yeah, so Angel, Angel was not. She had a very different background than you, though, in terms yeah. of her. I mean, accepted Jesus when she was five, six years old. I mean, loved Jesus, evangelized to the kids in her, you know, in the community she lived in, shared the gospel when she was like eight. Yeah, yeah. Just a completely different animal. I mean, she was such a, she's such a good human being. <laughs> so I guess it shows God. There's sometimes where we talk about our better halves and... I don't know. Maybe we just say it. Like in this case, she truly is the better. She, she truly is a better like, person than me. Yeah. Oh, not <laughs> like not it's not even, even close. close. Yeah. No. Not even the ballpark. Yeah. To this day. No. Like she's like four or five better people than you. I. It could be up in the ten range. <laughs> it could be up in the ten range. And I'm okay with this, honey. If you're listening to this, this is all for you. <laughs> this is no. all for you. Yeah. So so she no. she has a positive pull. I mean, it didn't like you didn't straighten up. Everything no, in your no, life. No, no, no. But, As a matter of fact, I kind of dragged her down a little bit. But yeah, but, not to not to an extreme, but it, you know, I did. I certainly wasn't a great influence on her at the time. Yeah, by no stretch of the imagination. But there was also the 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 positive influence that she was having 100%. on you. So you guys started dating what year? Sophomore year. Well, sophomore. her end of my freshman year, her sophomore year. Yeah. And I so, had a long relationship. It was a really weird deal. So again, they get out of college. Joel, they get married. I'm in the wedding, and it's. 12 years later when we reconnect around Gosh. some missions-related things uh, as you guys were going to the mission field, that we're sitting there with our wives, and and Betsy said something about how, well, when we were at their wedding, oh, and, <laughs> like, I remember being at the wedding. I just don't remember being in the wedding. And, uh, no, but, I totally forgot. But yeah. Betsy says that, and you and I start arguing, and Angel's like, 100% he was in the wedding. And we, were, we, oh. we, we were both adamantly, like, arguing we're with them about it. Because uh, I wasn't invited to your wedding, but we won't, again, we don't need to dwell that. can't on be that. right. No. I was not. Hey, you probably don't remember that. No, no, no. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm just I'm That's it. possible. I mean, I don't, I don't remember that way. I don't remember. I mean, it, we, oh, we only had terrible. my 300 closest friends. So. Um, yeah, no, just 300. Yeah, okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> so that was the funny part was that we, we had forgotten all about that. But anyway, so, okay, so after college, you guys are married. You're going yep. through the coaching thing. Yep. And Came when, back. When was it that, how were those early years of marriage? So really good. Okay. Really good. And actually, I mean, I think, again, so my, my story of faith kind of is always interti- intertwined, excuse me, with all of the things that we've done. But it, it really, it's, it's amazing to me how at that point I was still kind of figuring it out, right? We were going to church because that's what we were supposed to do. I'm a good mm-hmm. Southern boy. I'm from Atlanta. I'm supposed to do that kind of stuff. So our marriage was fantastic. We had our rocks and bumps and all those kind of things. But at the end of the day, we were very much 
in love and we were figuring it out. Coaching was really hard for me. I was working a hundred hours a week. Mm-hmm. So yeah, doing things like recruiting. It was just, yeah, I was gone. Gyms and games and, and all that. Yeah. Practices. And you know, we had six o'clock morning practices, those kind of things. So it was just hard. Yeah. But, you know, we lived in a trailer. Literally in Michigan, we lived in a trailer because it was the only thing we could afford. Yeah, see, I don't even remember this part of your yeah, story. I made like $10,000 a year and could barely make it. I was coaching you know, all day, every day. It was insane, dude. Insane. Wow. So it was... Did you hear things. about Rob Jones, by the way? What happened? Recently? Uh, Rob is now the associate head coach at Liberty. Oh, my gosh. That makes me so happy. He took that job last week. Well, he was... Oh, my gosh. So yeah. he was so at he, Richmond University. Yeah, he left Richmond. Richmond. This is a guy we played this ball guy, with and, and a guy I, with. I highly respect. Yeah. I mean, I rarely say that about guys Love I Rob with. Jones. So He's another congrats to – I was texting with him last week about that. But, yeah, Liberty sent out the announcement. and had. Like, oh, my his, gosh. That associate is, head coach, Liberty. Yeah. Very cool. Anyway, sorry. Guy. Side, segue. Oh, side note. Really uh, yeah, so you're coaching – how long were you guys in Michigan? Uh, two years. Okay. And, and then, then you come back down yeah, here to so work for the family business. My dad was smart and started – he started a business opportunity. Here in Atlanta, and knew I was struggling. I was struggling. I was really frustrated with my head coach that I was working with. And uh, he said, "Hey, come on back. You come on back. You get this great job, and we'll pay for you to come back." Mm-hmm. You know, the, the whole thing. He got this. He got his hooks in me, and it was smart because we were pregnant with our first daughter. Mm. We being Angel, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> she was. She was the, was the pregnant one. Yeah, I just want to make sure hey. everybody's aware of that. Yeah, this but, was not twenty twenty two. This is not. Yeah, no, trust me. There's <laughs> a lot going on nowadays. That was a shot, man. Alive. Hope. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we came back, had our first child. Gwinnett Medical, love that hospital. But uh, and then we just started kind of figuring it out. I started a business. It was a different world. It was a tough transition. What kind of business? Transition. Uh, employee benefits and HR consulting. I sold insurance for a living. Yeah, you're gonna say it, so I'm just gonna go ahead and say it out loud because you're gonna rant me about it. Go ahead, it's okay. Well, you no, I mean you have a family business that you're. Yeah. I mean your dad ran so insurance company. My, my great grandfather, my grandfather, my dad. So I'm the fourth generation entrepreneur of my family, and uh, which is cool. As I share things about later, I'll, it kind of ties in. But what's really cool is that, yeah, so my grandfather started it in Georgia. He started in Ohio, and they moved it to Georgia. And then literally, my dad launched from that, same thing I did, mm-hmm. launched his version of the business mm-hmm. out of my grandfather's. Was that Covenant Group? Yeah, which Covenant okay, Group. Okay, so I worked, so another another side oh, note, did. I worked for Covenant Group because your uncle summers, Tim right? yeah. went there, and then my buddy, and then your your other cousin or second cousin or whatever, Ben, ben Habeck. Yeah. Uh, he comes down from Grand Rapids, Michigan, mm-hmm. starts living in the summers with Tim, coming to our church. So Ben and I get to be friends. That's how you guys became. I didn't know how you guys were friends. Yeah, so he was okay. coming with the Haybacks. Uh, yeah, so okay. Ben and I get to be friends. I go to work for Covenant Group a little bit. Um, just like, you know, side hustle kind of thing, like summer, um, Christmas break kind of thing. That's right. And then the, I'm going to tie this up. So Ben Haybeck later on in life, uh, same family, extended family as Joel here, goes on to start a business called Simple Dime, who actually is the company that does our accounting okay. as a church. That's all they do. And our, in fact, account manager is your aunt. Is and that right? Yeah, so every time, <laughs> There's all these funny every time like, she sees ties. An amount of money that comes out the door, she's like, hey, Joel, that's so exciting. Oh, that's funny. For us, which is cool. Um, yeah, so so we have these little uh, ties to each other's uh, we worlds. We're very uh, much tied together. Anyway, okay, so you're working for Covenant Group, then you start your own thing, which was called Omega Benefit Group. Omega Benefit Group. You run that for a few years successfully. Yeah, so I literally bought it from at one point, I ran it for my dad. We had employees the whole nine, and then one day I bought it. Just it was the right thing to do and negotiated with my loving father, who by the way is yeah, he gave it to me to deal. It wasn't like he was gouging me. So yeah. <laughs> and thought it would be the rest of my life, which was pretty cool. That yeah. was the plan. That yeah, was the plan. What year was that? So four years before, okay. so that would have been, gosh. 20, yeah. 13, 14, yeah, something 13, like 14, that. 13, 14, somewhere in there. Um, okay, so you guys are going where to church at that point? So we're going to a place called The Bridge okay. up in Lawrenceville. So if, if you know Georgia, you know Atlanta, going up 85, you would have seen it on the side. You've seen it, the big old sign that was on the side of like a factory kind of building. kind of. Okay. I want to say bodega in Spanish. <laughs> i got to think about the word in Spanish. I don't even know the word in English. All right, so you're, you're going to The Bridge. And then, so, uh, there's a four-year window there where something yep. happens. Yeah, something switched. <laughs> so, what happened? So, the pastor, the, the group of pastors at the time were near and dear friends of mine. So, very close friends. And they, <laughs> Angel spoke Spanish, which in hindsight she really didn't. But she spoke Portuguese, obviously leaving, for those of you who don't know in the pod, that most people in Brazil speak Portuguese, not mm-hmm. Spanish. Right. But they're very similar. So we were going to our first missions trip of the church's existence to the Dominican Republic. We had a missionary there with FCA, neat guy who we're very close with. 
to this day. And uh, we were taking a team down. They asked us to go because Angel could speak Spanish. Okay. So, with that being said, well, Joel gets to come down, right? He'll be comic relief. I'm, I'm not known as a very serious individual. So, they invite us down. We had a blast. They saw the success that Angel and I had, I guess, just interpersonally with people and how much we loved it. I didn't speak a lick of Spanish. And I fell in love with just the population. So they, about a month after that, they asked me to be the missions pastor. Yeah. That's how misguided they were. And they were okay. all Dallas Theograts, which is interesting in a side note. So they do love Jesus, I assume. <laughs> but no, so it ended up being the cool, right, pastor, free pastor. So it worked out really well for them. Mm-hmm. And I worked, you know, I spent some serious quality time being the missions pastor there. So, okay. and from there, it just kind of evolved. We were taking trips down quarterly, Angel and I, on our own dime. To the DR? To the DR. And it got to the point where it was just like, you know, our third or fourth trip, I think. It was our, it was our second trip. One, I, I tell the story all the time. It's one of my favorite stories of all time. Where, so what they would do with me, because at that point I was you know, over 300 pounds, six foot six, I'm a big guy, and as white as can be. They would go into a kind of a pueblo or a small village. There's usually an open space. They would go door-to-door evangelism because I don't speak Spanish. They would drop me into the middle of nowhere. You're like basically a... Uh, like I'm a, a, I'm a beacon. You're, you're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Literally. And so what would end up happening is the, you know, the, the groups would go in and start door-to-door evangelism. What was the word? You're a novelty act. That's I am what a novelty act. That's yeah. a great, great statement. It's actually a very true statement. Yeah. But I would literally go and just in an open space take... I, I, this is not joking. They've counted one to 200 little kids would just run up and we just yeah. figured out no, you know, we wouldn't have anything planned. We would just go and they'd climb on you and, and I fell in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. So we do that one day. That's why amazing. I still climb on you sometimes. Yes, he does. Well, James is a little guy for those of you who don't know. He's not, you know, they don't, they don't breed them big here, but that's okay. So literally one day I leave, we get on the bus, you know, the whole air conditioning commissions team bus. We get in the back. We're sitting there. Angel sitting beside me. And you mean non-air conditioning? No, it was definitely air conditioning. Oh, it was air conditioning. No, no, no. We were rich right. white Americans. Okay. So <laughs> right. I can say that. All right. But uh, so we literally were sitting there, and she looks at me with these eyes. Nothing was said. I was exhausted. We're both, you know, flop sweat. And she looks at me, and I'll never forget it. And it was the look. I can't, obviously can't replicate it. But I just sat there and looked at her. I was like, there's no chance. And I just knew immediately what to say. No chance. Not happening. Didn't say anything else. And that was it. She held my hand the rest of the way home. We didn't say another word about it. Fast forward, that had all changed, right? God was working in my heart at that point. I, I knew it. Yeah, yeah, sure. So it was it was pretty crazy. So it, it probably, call it four months later, where I'm, I'm literally, so I'm the CEO of this company. You know, we have 12 employees. We're doing very well. As a matter of fact, we had grown at 100% click every year for the last three years. I was making good money. We had bought our dream home, the whole thing. So it was, we were really doing well. And I'm sitting at my desk one day. I just told the story the other day. I was literally sitting there, and all of a sudden I felt very clearly. I stopped, sat up, and I have four monitors. I'm staring at them, doing a whole bunch of work. I stopped, and I clearly felt God saying, it's time. Clearly. I got up from my desk, turned my computer off, walked out my door, locked it, drove home. On my way home, I called my wife and say, something's going on. I said, yeah, I need to talk to you. Something's going on. You know, what does a wife think? She's freaking out at this point. I said, don't worry about it. I'm fine. I'm coming home. I get home. She meets me at the door, which is something that never happens. And I say, God's calling us to the mission field in those words. And she just loses her mind, crying in a good way. And it was in that moment, she said, after she sobbed for 10, 20 seconds, she, had, she said, I've been praying for that for the last 15 years of our marriage together. Or being together, right? We dated for three or four years, the whole thing. So it was in one of those impactful moments that, you know, I was a business kid. I was always going to be that kid. This was like your Family. say anything moment. Yeah. This is John Cusack holding up the radio Ooh, outside the call. window, right? Great call. <laughs> so Raul and I have a love of movies, and he's a little bit better off. And we actually, we both have a love of rom coms. We do have we a love of rom-coms. cheesy rom coms. You and I. favorite, and there's not a good enough good ones out anymore. Let no, the record show. That's actually true. Yeah. Ruins 100%. Our true. dating life is not as spectacular anymore because of those situations. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so yeah. And then, but, uh, real quick, best favorite rom com? Do you have one? Oh. Or maybe two or three that you love? I have a Rewatchables. few. Rewatchables. Anything, let's be honest, Matthew McConaughey, anything with Matthew <laughs> McConaughey, 
he's 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 your uh, he's your leading guy. He's my go-to. He's your guy. Okay. What's so are you one? like wedding planner? No, uh, not a huge uh, the, the What's the one where he was the boat sales guy? I'm trying to think of the name right now. Oh, that was a great uh, one. Failure to launch. Failure to launch. Failure to launch is that's a funny one. That's a great one. You yeah, know, a, a little too one? much Terry Bradshaw in the Let's I think honest, in the, in the nude, nude in that movie. There's a lot of butt cheek in that one. That's all right. Yeah, uh, the other one with the the uh, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days is Matthew McConaughey. That's a great one. Have you so. seen the newest one with Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson? Oh no, that looks dreadful. It is. Definitely a rom com and fantastic. Oh, really? Oh, in the in the in the cheesy, 100%. predictable, ridiculous sort of if way. If you walk in the door knowing it's a rom com, yeah, you're gonna love. And it. that it's gonna have all the cliches in it. Oh, it's he's a teacher. He's like a, an eighth grade. English but if you teacher, like J Lo and you like teacher. Matthew McConaughey, Wedding Planner's got to be your coming I love together J-Lo. of that. Let's be honest. She's a great rom com. No, she's not. She's just a great romantic movie. <laughs> actress. Uh, what was the other one that she did? Was she the one in Monster in Law? Yes, with uh, Jane Fonda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great that was, movie. Again. That was kind of funny. I love rom That was funny. What was the dude's name in that? The guy from Alias. I can't but remember. But you're also, name. you're the type who likes, aren't you the type who likes the serious, like the legit movie it has to be real? Like you don't like Lord of the Rings. Oh, no, I love Lord of the Rings. Okay, good. Then I like you more. Uh, I don't yeah. like sci fi a lot. Like I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm kind of pushed back on sci fi. But, but as far as rom coms go, um, yeah, I like, uh, let's see, what's uh, Sweet Home Alabama is a good one. Great one. You're a, Re- you're a Reese Witherspoon fan, aren't you? No. Okay, I'm not. Not, not particularly. Um, Especially her I, later I, work. I, I used to, when I was younger, I liked I liked younger Sandra Bullock movies. So. Uh, Miss Congeniality? Yeah, those are funny. Uh, Hope Floats. Uh, what, what was the. Um, what was the, uh, the. The Two Weeks Notice was a good one. Like this Not was, a huge fan. Oh, wow. Okay. Some of Ryan Reynolds' uh, worst No, no, work. no. Not, no. Ryan Reynolds was the, was uh, the proposal. Her? The proposal, proposal, that's it. Yeah. No, that's older Sandra Bullock. I like younger Sandra okay, Bullock. Okay, that's fair. She was so that two weeks old notice was Hugh, Hugh Grant. In the proposal, she wasn't that old. Well, it's I mean, that's more recent Sandra Bullock. I mean, All right, we're losing our audience. Let's go. Okay, we'll bring it back. Thank you for entertaining that's, me for a moment on rom-coms. I appreciate that. Uh, rarely do we talk about it. Uh, I, oh, I like teenage rom-coms, by the way. Like 10 Things I Hate About You. Love that. And, uh, <laughs> the, we'll watch that together. The ones with you, probably, probably in uh, college. I guarantee you, Those, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so where were we at our at Small our side note, story. I had the largest DVD collection in college. You and Hutch. Me and Hutch. My, oh my, my roommate, gosh. his name was Bananas. Robert Hutchison. By the way, I haven't so spoken to him since college. That's terrible. Oh, really? He was, was kind of in my wedding. Yeah. I think. It, who would remember? <laughs> who, who knows? Who would know anyway? Who knows? Um, who would have thought? Where were we in your story? <laughs> Good question. Oh, you had to say anything moment. That's what led to the yeah, rom-com. That's right. Thank you. Thank you okay, so you so yeah, you have this moment where you tell Angel we're being called to Mission we're, Field, we're, and we're she's like, mission. it's about time you got on board. Yeah, and she, it was. <laughs> it, you know, in that moment, it's great you said that, because literally, like a day later, you know, after the emotional side of it had gone away, <laughs> yes. I literally thought, I am such a jerk. I am such a, I'm, I was going to, I said other words at that point in my life, but. Yeah, I was I was just a bad person. That you've been waiting years. for fifteen years, she's like ignoring this. She loved me that much. That's why yeah. she's that much. And the cool person. thing about Angel's story there, because I've talked with Angel about this, is she genuinely didn't bother you about it. Never said a didn't word. Hassle I did you. not. She know. literally sat back and prayed and gave the Lord time to work in your heart. Hundred percent. Which is maybe one of the reasons God did. And the most I've said this a million times, the most submissive way you could possibly do it as a husband mm. and wife, in my opinion. Yeah. Right? Never yeah. saying a word. Like that's, that's always but, struck me as a, oh. as a compelling aspect of how God used her to not drive you away from such a calling by nagging you and, and bothering you sure. or pressuring you or kind of like, come on, come on, um, and, and really letting the Lord do that work in you. One hundred percent. Very cool. To this day, right? It's the most one of the most influential things that happened in our marriage. It's amazing. Yeah. And I still. Um, so, how long from the time where you make that discern, like that moment of like yeah. truth, till like, I mean, you immediately started shifting things. So it was crazy, right? So again, business very successful. Had a lot of staff. Yeah. I mean, for what we did, it was a lot of staff. We literally the next day fill out three applications on websites for three different missions. Christian that Missionary you'd never Alliance. heard of. <laughs> yeah, well, Christian <laughs> yeah, Missionary yeah, Alliance was easy because we went to college there. Yeah. And my parent laws are still, we're still at that point, missionaries uh-huh. with the organization. Team, which was a Google search, <laughs> and then another random one. I don't even remember to this day. I cannot remember. All the best ways to do missions agency yes. partnerships. If I recommend doing missions <laughs> agencies, that is how we Scotty, go. Scotty, write that down for our <laughs> strategies for future no, I, engagement. I think literally, and let's be honest, it worked. Yeah. So... Guess who responded? CMA responded immediately, and team. I don't even know who the third one was now. Yeah, but CMA requires seminary education, kids going well, away. Well, they were actually pretty cool about it, but they wanted me to go to Spain. Okay. That was their heart for us. 
And yeah. it was, you know, we had to wear 100% support, the whole thing. It was okay. Yeah. Which we were fine with, but we didn't want to go to Spain. We, we felt very called very quickly to Latin and South America. That was okay. where my heart was. It was where Angel's heart was. We wanted to be in a Spanish-speaking context. That's who we yeah, love. Yeah, so don't go to Spain. Yeah, well, in a <laughs> European Spanish context. <laughs> so this is the kind of person he is. This is the kind of pastor you have. Generation <laughs> Church. Critiques and they, Hey, by the way, they know. <laughs> They're very well aware at this point of who yeah, you are. It's, you can't it's, hide you. It's been es- put that in the it's been established category. So yeah, so it literally, no joke. I had the only reason we started. So we ended up with team. Long story short, the only reason is because team needed money back the same day. I, I started the application process like within three days. Wow, where the paperwork filled out. We were running through, like, with missions coaches and the whole application process immediately, which yeah. was just an odd And I can't thing. remember, when did when did you and I re-enter each other's orbit? So I was thinking about that while you were talking. We actually, like, we had lunch, I remember. Like, I know, but, I'm sorry, but, but we had lunch because of this movement that happened. And I can't remember if you reached out to me. I think I was the me. missions pastor at the church at that point. I hadn't become missionary at that no, point. No, you weren't a missionary, but you were moving toward, like, you guys had announced, I don't know if we got something in the mail, or maybe it was on Facebook. I may have seen something on Facebook, on Facebook that you were moving this way definitively. Maybe you guys announced that you were you were moving towards a going good question, something actually. like that. I think and it was something like that. And then we reconnected. Yeah. Not so we anything. had lunch over here at the crossing. And we had to go at the crossing. I remember that like it was yesterday. And just talked. We yeah, just, just catching there was up. Nothing special. Yeah, just you were just sharing up. with me what the Lord had done and, and how, we, how you know, your heart. Not seeing each other for multiple years, and we yeah. were literally down the street. I've yeah. lived in Duluth or Gwinnett County my entire life. We're over it. But. Yeah, minus coaching. So yeah, that's pretty much that. <laughs> yeah. So it was that, and then it, we kind of we just kept talking. We connect, we stayed connected pretty. Yeah. Well. So then at that point, I can't. I don't remember if you guys were low, like had narrowed down to Colombia at that point because you did a no. year of language learning in Costa Rica first. So did they, you know you were going to Barranquilla when you did that? Yeah. Okay. So it was a weird, that kind of a neat story. So all team missionaries, and pretty much all missionaries, because of the history, for those of you who watch Netflix, know Colombia's had a rough past, right? So because of the narcos and, and drug trafficking. Yeah, and I mean, like, everybody so knows the story people know it. Yeah, I mean, Kevin was born in Colombia in our church. Of course, Carlos and Lena are from Colombia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Carlos and Lena, part of the reason they came to the States when they did was because over 20 years ago was Medellin was, I mean, Medellin and Bogota were literally the most dangerous cities in, in the, the world. world at that point. At that, 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 was, that And that was 90s to early 2000s, really yeah. eight, late, mid 80s to 2000s. Pablo Escobar was a big deal. Mm-hmm. That was very real. You know, Netflix yeah. embellishes a lot, but it was really true. Yeah. A lot of, matter of fact, the most, you can fact check this for me, Scotty, most refugees in the world are Colombian. The hmm. most, ex, the biggest exodus. In terms of, at that time? Amount of people. So I think it's there's a sort day. of diaspora, so to speak, from Colombia during Columbia, that era so that happened because dangerous. of how dangerous I've got was. some crazy stories of pastors that I work with today yeah. that come out of that. Hmm. But, so long story short, missionaries have been They, they probably weren't, uh, so I'm assuming when you say refugee, it's not that they were refugees to America, but maybe throughout Latin in America? General. No, 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 in general. Or just, okay. yeah, no, just so, that many people displaced because of the... Displaced is probably a better statement. I yeah. like that word better. But okay. a lot of people went to Venezuela. A lot of Colombians went to Venezuela. Yeah. A lot of, because Venezuela at that time was flourishing. And, and now they've come back to Colombia and brought all the Venezuelans all with the them. Venezuelans <laughs> 100%. Yeah, so, yeah, that's exactly what's But, happening. so we literally, so my boss, who's now, you know, my kids consider him an uncle. I consider him one of my closest friends, a mentor. He said, you know, we just gotten to the point where we were through the process. We were in fundraising. And he said, hey, look, I've got an idea for you. Obviously, you know, we know you enough to be dangerous now. Obviously, entrepreneurship is, is in my background, it's in my blood. Hey, look, I think we're going to start a new mission field, and we're going to send you. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I don't know anything. I think that's a cool idea. No team. Yeah. Nobody. I'm an entrepreneur. Again, I love starting stuff. Pioneer type mentality. At least the personality evaluations say that. And so I literally was like, sure, that's great. Barranquilla, where the heck is that? Mm-hmm. So we literally got off the phone with him that day, had to look it up on a Google search. Mm-hmm. No idea. Yep. It was a city of 1.8 million people on the coast of Colombia. That's all I knew. Yeah. So been there once uh, just to make sure we clarify here, when you say um, uh, 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 opening a new mission field, what, what we don't mean is that Colombia was, or unreached it was people unreached people. Group. with no, no right. It's just that. that their organization didn't have any yeah. footprint in that yeah. area or whatever. As, as a matter of fact, the majority of missionaries, the local church was growing at that point. Sure. 
right? So 7% of the country is, is evangelical Christian. You wouldn't have known so, then no. what we both know now in terms 100%. of the work that God was doing out mm-hmm. of seminaries in Medellin and sort of the church planning or, or, or the, the, the Protestant sort of so right. growth that was happening in between. I call it emerging. Yeah. So there's, there's a, a heavy Catholic presence there. There Obviously. is a heavy uh, Pentecostal sort of prosperity, prosperity gospel, gospel presence there. The Reformation skipped Latin America altogether, 100%. and and yet what we've seen probably in the last thirty years is a a swelling of like a visitation of something like uh, Reformation Christianity visited upon Colombia and then from Colombia and potentially other parts of and South really America. we're seeing that talk in the last seven to ten years. Yeah, and really right now is we're on the cusp of something very. Yeah. So all the pastors that we partner with there have been. Uh, like come out of some of those other environments into this have been impacted by that, uh, educated in that environment, mm-hmm. and and are some of the fruit of that for sure. That 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 groundwork that's been laid going back thirty years ago, but then being bearing a lot of fruit in the last eight to ten years. Yeah, yeah. But a, gr- a great example I always use this. And you've heard me say this, I think, is there's still not a ton of text in Spanish, right? Not a lot mm-hmm. of concordances, a lot outside of seminary of, books, yeah, outside, than, outside of the Bible, outside of the Bible, sure, yeah, 100%. Resources. The Bible's obviously great, but. Um, outside resources, there is not a ton. Yeah. So that's a great example. Yeah. So when, so somewhere along the way, what's you guys are doing your movement towards Latin America, you get Barranquilla as a possibility. You're going to do language learning in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. I, were you in Costa Rica when that was established as your, yes. I think so. Cause I remember then calling you and talking to you when you were in Costa Rica, because at the same time you're having that movement, I go on a initial vision trip with my friend Jorge Romero to Colombia yeah. to this place called Santa Marta. We flew into <laughs> Barranquilla, went to Santa Marta, did this whole thing. My heart connects with this Pastor Edison that I meet there. My next I didn't trip, know that. Edison. My next trip, Edison links me. He goes, "Hey, I want to take you to Barranquilla, and I want to meet with some pastors there." He introduces me to Juan. That's when you met. So oh my that's gosh. how I met Juan. And that's probably while I'm in language school. And mm, the, the, the initial visit was okay. The initial visit was so then so that was in like summer of maybe 2017, 18, something like okay, that. Okay. And then the following January, Lena, Paul Ulrich, myself, and Kevin went back with my son Daniel. Um, and that was the trip where we went to Barranquilla, taught at the Bible school, at the the, um, the institute that Juan does there and did in Barranquilla. You pre- and I was, was that when we heard you preach? Like about marriage or something like that? No, I think that was the next visit. Was that the next one after yeah. that? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, but that's where our relationship started. And we started talking Acts 29 with those guys. So we brought them in, but now you were based in the same city where we had mission partners who were coming into Acts 29. You and Juan, if you recall, you and Juan met independent of you and I. Yeah, no, we had literally. And then we realized, oh crap, we've met the same dude that we're connecting with. I'll never forget that. Yeah. Because that talk about small, forget small. Yeah, that was bananas. That's just, you know, that's not Holy Spirit conversations. I don't know what is. So in, in, in trying to not get too bogged down in the details. So God was doing something sort of separate with you guys. You came out of the church, the bridge. The bridge then was changing here in yeah, their, their church. So well, we had lost all of our leadership at that point. Yeah, their all, leadership turned gone. over. Right. Yeah, they turned so over. what ended up happening was right before COVID? It was way before COVID, yeah. Was it? And we were in... We were in about well, a no, but, but when we... COVID. You came and visited... Right before COVID, so you and I have reconnected at this point. Yeah, at this point we were talking, um, you know, and, and keeping up. You were you were building relationships with some of the same pastoral circles that we were trafficking in. So you met like Eduardo. Trafficking is probably not the word I would use, but <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'd probably throw out a different word. In, that in this part of the world, that's probably wise not yeah, to use that word. Right. Uh, we were uh, working. We were associated with associated. some of the same people. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh my gosh, that is great. So, um, so here, here's what ended up happening on our end and your end was you guys were here, and the the relationship with your local sending church had sort of shifted and changed. Yeah, um, you were feeling a little disconnected. Well, think about this and interrupt you, but think about it from a from a listener perspective. We had no team. Mm-hmm. They're the closest missionary we knew was locally in, in Barranquilla. Forget right. locally. Oh, okay. The coast of Colombia. The closest right. missionaries we knew were in Bogota, uh-huh. and we didn't know them. That's like a we four or five hour missionaries. trip. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. I mean, car. It's a 20, 20 something hour. Trip. Right, right. Yeah, I mean by but by yeah. plane. Yeah, it's it's, it's like so four it's hours just insane. So we had nobody. So, and again, think about it from my perspective. I'm a business guy going into a missions context. I had a local pastor that we were working with at the time. It was a guy in a wheelchair. Really cool family story. Yeah. yeah. But cutting to the chase, it was an intense world I lived in. Right. Yeah. 
So yeah, it was tough. So, um, so you guys were kind of um, on an island. Hundred percent. And we were. I was just meeting with you, and, and it was kind of like going, "Hey, look, we we've, we've got mission partners already in Colombia that are indigenous pastors, leaders, churches." We are coming in. When we fly to Colombia, we come in and out of Barranquilla. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it was the the main main, it's the point of access. Um, and so what if it, it just seemed to make sense that God had put you guys there. He had put us there in different ways. We had some enough history to go. Could we be a church that would become your your sort of uh, home church that would that would start to care for you and keep up with you and visit you guys and, yeah. and all that stuff? Now, we agreed to move that direction during COVID when you guys ended up having to stay here longer than you had planned because so you were here on furlough. We literally, we come back on home assignment furlough, whatever you want to call it, literally the week. So, you know, the NBA story, right? Mm. Uh, Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Gets, he basically was the linchpin that started it all. That's right. Yeah. Right? He, he, he that tested positive. French and they, turd. <laughs> they, uh, yeah. I mean, the middle of NBA games and they cancel everything. In the middle of games. They and everything canceled. stopped. Like, stopped. Yeah. The world came to it. Literally, there's an HBO special on HBO yeah. Max. Yeah. The world stood still. Yeah. And this was like the week after I just got back from my last trip to Columbia. And actually. you had gotten back. So literally that week, like it was, that happened on a Tuesday. We were mm-hmm. leaving on that Friday from a four-month home assignment. Yeah. we Kevin and I flew back on Saturday, went to church Sunday. I had a conversation with my CDC employed neighbor on Tuesday. Like, what do you think about this whole COVID thing? <laughs> and I <laughs> laughed. I laughed. I literally, she still gives me a hard time about this. I, she laughs and, and, and we're talking about, it. I'm like, oh, this is bananas. This is stupid. That was Tuesday. By Thursday, I'm canceling service. Uh, for Sunday. That's a weird feeling, by the way. Now that yeah. you say that, that's a weird thing it, to hear. And, and, so, and you were supposed to leave that same week to go that back, but the world week. shuts down. And the, and the world shut down. Well, so by the way, folks, we have like a house, we have a dog, we have people that we staff. Oh, by the way, I have a local church yeah. that we're working through. Yeah, ministries that had been started. and The church was meeting in our backyard. We had yeah. probably 40, 50 people meeting in our backyard every Sunday, yeah. Saturday evening. So it was insane. Yeah, and we were we were stuck here for ten months. So we decided during that time, well, we'll be your church. But it was it's we were we were also not meeting because of the pandemic, yeah. and we didn't have a building, and and so we agreed to be your. And I want this to be drawn together because here's the deal: we've not been a great mission partner church for your family yet. You end we're up going it. back, You're right? Much improved over what we've seen in the past. You end up going back to Columbia, but having never really gotten to be rooted in or attached to our church in any way. So it's not like a normal thing no, where maybe you no. send out a family who your like, church yeah, loves been, and is tied to. For four or five years, right? Yeah. But we sort of stepped in as a sort of surrogate family to say, "Hey, we don't want you to be on a on an, on an island out there. We're going to help care for you." But our church doesn't have a personal knowledge of you no. broadly. Yeah, like we hung out, and that's why I wanted groups. to take the time to do this today, so that while you're here, you can kind of share your story. And, and let us get to know you guys because it's our hope that when we make future trips to Colombia, as we start to re-engage that part of our ministry partnerships, 100%. that we would take people to you and to your family where we can be a blessing and, yeah. and kind of pour into you guys. That's a big and, deal for us, right? Yeah. We've talked, you and I have talked about this personally on yeah. the side is, you know, being a missionary is, is awesome. It's one of the coolest things we've ever done, but it is a peaks and valleys type of lifestyle, yeah, yeah. right? You, you live in a valley for a while, then you get a peak. And then you go back to the valley. It's, yeah. it's a, you know, the church is messy. We know that. Well, I'm in it every day. I'm oh, I, you probably, our church is neat and clean. It and is. Pristine. I've been there multiple times. Yes. And I, everybody I see. It's looks, all super in order. You're good. Scotty is. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, let's be honest. But yeah. so, yeah. So it was, it came at a, and this is not kudos to James. And, and it really was God working through James and Scotty. And well, Scotty wasn't even around at that point. Paul and, Paul and, uh, yeah. uh Karen. And Paul and Karen us. were, and Karen still Really well loved in our family. I recall sitting at... Uh, uh, it was the Biscuit Place. Yeah, Maple, yeah. Uh, Maple Street Biscuit Company it. having that five and dime. Oof. Oh my gosh, that place is so good. Delicious. That, yeah, my, kid, my kids and wife can't eat We end up talking about food and movies on the podcast a lot, so we've touched Do both you? now. Yeah. Okay, that makes me feel better. Yeah. Okay, so I've got to wrap this. Like, we're, we're time, so I want, to, I want to spend a couple minutes talking. Like, what that's some of the... There's If it sounds like our conversation is meandering... In certain ways, that's reflective of the journey you've had and oh, of yeah, our journey of our kind of separate, semi-parallel journeys into the, at least being involved in this common locale of Barranquilla, Colombia, yeah. um, and just the northern coast in general. Because you're you're based in Barranquilla, but your ministry is targeting much broader than that. Much so broader. talk a little bit about where it's taken some time to get your footing and to clarify 
exactly what you guys are going to be doing on the ground. As Joel said, he's not, there's traditional sort of missionary training and, and mm-hmm. ministry is where, you know, a lot of times we expect the missionary is going to go through language school. Maybe they go to seminary, maybe they've been pastors before, uh, and then they go in and they start to preach the gospel, gather people, do Bible study, and they're yeah. going to plant churches. That was never your vision. Never. You went there as a man who's got unique kind of business experience and entrepreneurial aptitudes and a sense that God was going to use those uh, aspects and gifts of who you are and your experience to sort of do non-traditional ministry uh, that would include um, a more more full-orbed approach to ministry that obviously you guys do evangelism, you do acts of mercy, you do Bible studies, discipleship, you're connected to a local church, but but you've got a whole different thing that's taking on a, a business-like dimension. 100%. So talk about that and how it's paired with church planning and some of the partnerships yeah. that have formed. So it's unique, right? Um, I, I, this kind of came to me in, while we were in language school. So this wasn't something we came down with, but it was it was cool. So what we ended up, have, ended up doing was... Over the years, we've seen that the, the biggest struggle, the local pastor is doing a phenomenal job. You know, James can attest to that. The local pastor is seminary trained, preaching the word, doing a phenomenal job of reaching a flock. But where they're struggling is secondary issues or secondary aspects of church planting. So what we ended up doing was we realized, hey, look, space is a real problem. I can't afford space. It's very expensive. For those of you who work or have been around South America, from a Christian or faith-based perspective, Churches do not get tithes and offerings in Latin America as a Latin American context to a degree where they can support pastors or a building, right? So what ends up happening is pastor isn't paid. He's bivocational, so he's not working a lot. Matter of fact, he's not bivocational. He works, and then he preaches on the side. Mm-hmm. Well, what we've seen is that doesn't work, right? Not only that, they can't afford a building, so they're meeting in these obscure places, and they're switching it every three to four months because the rent got moved up or they just closed out the church. You know, we found somebody mm-hmm. better. We're going to move from you. So God really laid on my heart and Angel's heart and really our kids, our kids are falling in love with the idea of we're going to create a for-profit business. So it's, it's a co-working space provider. So those of you who don't know what co-working is, it's basically think of a large space where people come to work and they pay a membership fee, but they don't have to worry about anything. It's a month-to-month contract. Life Internet's is provided, simple. utilities are covered, the space you know, is there, it's a cubicle on, or an you, office. You get a coffee yeah. shop, you get you know, free coffee, free, you know, free water, that kind of stuff. And you pay monthly and you can come and go as you want. It's basically your office space for a much cheaper rate. Yeah. Well, we, we realized very quickly as God was working in this process that we could launch that, be very successful from a business perspective. Really, sustainability is a word I use a lot. It's a sustainable way instead of the great white hope, an American coming down mm-hmm. and just throwing money at churches to help them be sustainable. Mm-hmm. That's not sustainable because one day I'm going to leave Yeah. or I'm going to die. Or whatever that happens, right? So this is going to end one day. RIP future Joel. Yeah, future Joel. So with that being said, we had to create something sustainable, and this was the way to do it. Yeah. A business model that could then pour into the local church. And so how does it work with the local church? Real simple. We've... The co-working space business is called Colabor. Colabor. Yeah, like so co-labor. Co-labor for the you gringos in the room. Yeah. You white people, excuse me. Um, I, I don't know. That's better. I say it all the time in, in Latin America. So I don't yeah, think I mean, I'm offended at this point. I, I mean, I'm and sure. You've in, offended in the current climate we're in. A I significant portion of our audience. I probably shouldn't say I'll that. I'll see thing. if I can smooth it over. That's all right. Well, Go if ahead. they don't like me, then we'll talk later when I speak at church. But uh, so it ends up being what we have done is we've created an atmosphere for now these churches. So what we do is we bring in six to eight church planters a year, train them on 10 different topics. You know, church finance, church accounting, stuff that, again, you're not hearing me say seminary. You're not hearing me say theology. Yeah, they're getting they're getting the doctrinal formation. They're 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 getting ministry um, expertise, expertise and experience. Yeah, but but organizational leadership aspects. How administrative evangelism is a big problem where I live. Yeah, structures. So how do you evangelize? How do you have programming around church? Really, it's almost kind of the the business end of church to some degree. Mm-hmm. As much as I don't like to say that, it makes me feel a little uncomfortable. Yeah, but. Yeah, so we, we're going to train them that for a year. Some of the nuts and bolts, maybe, we might think I, of for, for operating a church. Say, let's be honest. Yeah. James is much more of a wordsmith than I am. <laughs> so I'll give you a little credit. So as we do that over the year, a lot of these guys are going to be church, planting churches, and we're going to give them experience. It's basically an incubator for a year, and then they launch. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but we're also going to offer the space up just to churches that need to meet. Yeah, so you're going to use the Colabor space to generate revenue from... 
business oriented people in Colombia. Yeah. So they'll do, they'll they basically fund the place. Then you give working space. If I'm correct, you give working space to uh, pastors. Well, not only that, but it's, yeah. So in that aspect, not to cut you off, but that opportunity is now, because there's a big disparity between the rich and the not rich in Colombia. This gives pastors an opportunity now to rub shoulders with yeah, the so, upper middle class. So, so now you're bringing pastors into it. They have an office to do their stuff in, to and do ministry from, and they have a networking circle now okay. to start building out from business-oriented people in the community. And you're going to help do uh, some training in some of the practical aspects of church life and ministry uh, and, and reinforcement of, and, and some of it's just pa- the pastoral care that pastors need. hundred percent. Right. Well, and it, it creates an accountability group, which is very foreign to South yeah. American concepts. Yeah. So now there's a group of eight pastors, six pastors who are doing life together. Yeah. So it's a cohort kind of model where 100%. they're, they're in this thing together, learning and growing. And, and so they're, they're ramping up to plant their churches and they have also spaces to gather some of their people yeah. because of the, the, it, it's a safe place to start, right? right? So instead of just launching. Yeah. It's not a long-term church facility, no, but it's a place no, no, no. to start bringing people together for Bible studies, for yeah. community. Our goal, James, is to see six to eight churches planted per year in the city. And at the end of that year, they're out, whether yeah. they're ready or not. You know, again, obviously, we have some fail-safes for those situations. We're not going to okay. kick them out. And you have some official... <clears throat> I know you're tied into... I mean, you, you've got to know some of the Acts 29 people. Yep. You're actually now... You went with team. You're now part of South American Mission. Yeah, so we've converted because um, of what we're doing. It's a unique situation. Right? Yeah, so it's which team and South American Mission have partnered together. So, so it's not part like of the yeah. Therefore Alliance, which is cool. Yeah, so we still work with team and Sam. As a matter of fact, I have a team boss and a Sam boss. Yeah, and then uh, you've got some guys who have been affiliated with Acts 29 in the past, yeah. as well as with Redeemer City to City, City, City yeah. um, uh, out of uh, Keller's Church in New York. Um, I mean, that's that's not really driven by. I don't think that at no. this point, but that's where it was originally birthed well, out of. It's just been cool and you've I think I've told you this so the church planting movement has just grown from the coast and really Colombia the coast is the driver of Colombian church planting okay and the draw the the um the candidates for bringing them into this church planting incubator are taken from those theological circles and tribes so we know the alignment because they're being vetted by they're being filtered and vetted by people much smarter theologically speaking than I am right okay so I you know I've, I've been real smart God's been really good to me I've been blessed with people that can, are way smarter than me in a lot of different aspects. So yeah, yeah. it's been cool. Um, yeah, so that's sort of the the that's the tie to church planting, right? Like you are not planting a church, but you are trying to help serve and provide space for church planters yeah. to grow and flourish. You're trying to make hard aspects that maybe don't come naturally to church planters sure. a little easier. Trying to put a little wind in their sails. Um, as somebody who's planted a church, like those are all the things I didn't like. I cared about making disciples, preaching the Bible, 100%. like counseling people, helping to form spiritual formation. And I'm still this far in uh, most overwhelmed by the structural, uh, nuts practical bolts. nuts and bolts aspects, yeah. organizational aspects of, of leading and running a church. Well, right. And so you're trying to help. Approach, yeah. Right? So you're trying to help give uh, support to that side of things and trying to help life be a little bit easier, a little less painful. And, and you just said exactly what it is. We're not arming these, these guys to be experts, right? They're, we're right. going to give them the most we can, the most tools in the toolbox we can. And when they come out of this incubator, accelerator, for a year, mm-hmm. they're going to be better off than when they came. Yeah. And, and what's great for us, we've learned this through some of our church planning partners, is there's even a point where some of these guys just maybe aren't equipped. Maybe God, they thought God was calling them into that, but really... They should just be an associate pastor under someone mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Well, now think about the network we've created. Yeah, where pastors are. These guys there, are going to be There tends to be within Latin American culture um, a, a rogue approach to ministry where yeah. pastors historically... You have, and you have to be on your own. I, And I'm telling this no, from, from the testimony of Colombian pastors no, that I've talked to. this is 100% true. They, they typically historically have not worked collaboratively or cooperatively with As a matter of fact, it's very and much... And that's changing through environments like the It's my kingdom, my fiefdom, yeah. and you don't get yeah, to come yeah. anywhere near mine. Yeah. Leave me alone. There's no accountability. There's no love. There's no relationship building yeah. amongst so, pastors. So, Joel, like, we're talking high-level stuff here in terms of, like, we're not getting into the nitty-gritty, but this, I just wanted our church to hear a little bit about why we are supporting you guys, partnering with you, wanting to help care for you and help see you guys flourish sure. so that this ministry can flourish. And I'd love to see us take greater responsibility and ownership for that, caring for you all, for your wife, for your daughters. We would love to bring people for the expressed purpose. So when you hear us talk future uh, trips to Colombia, we would love to fly into Barranquilla, leave a couple of people in your neck of the woods, 
to just love on you guys, encourage you, minister to you, serve you, bring some reinforcement, pour some some energy into, which it always costs you something too to have other people present to reorient life for a little bit. You also have another team member, by the way, uh, outside yeah. of your family now. Yeah, uh, so we literally just had, Kat, the last, she right? just celebrated a year okay. this week. Yeah. Last week. So season. young, single gal. She's 26 years old. 26. Yeah. So, it out. so our hope would be to bring, let's say if we brought a team of seven people to Columbia and we were going to have four, like five of them go to, let's say, Santa Marta up to Rio visit Edison, Eduardo, their churches. That's we right. might leave a couple there uh, to just minister to you guys, to do whatever we can to bless you. And so our hope is to kind of provide those sort of steady streams mm-hmm. of reinforcements for you. And so I just want to sew that out there because some of you might have a vision where you don't, I don't know how to support missionary work. It might be that you would be the perfect person to go love on three. Well, I mean, you got two teenagers now, right? Or one teenager? 12 and 14. So yeah, 12, 14 right there, and right 10. 10. Um, so, so three sweet, sweet girls uh, awesome. who are who are uh, involved in all kinds of little extracurriculars yeah. and doing things. Your wife, who's fantastic, um, and uh, and so just getting to kind of yeah, just build relationship, encourage, care for, uh, and give you guys some connection from home that feels like hey, we're not in this alone. Sure, um, but we've got partners no. and family in this with well, us. Well, not to sell it, but I, I think what it is is a lot of people are not comfortable door to door. You know, let's go. To, let's go evangelize door to door. Yeah, street ministry, door to door evangelism, performance driven ministry, 100%. like whatever these different things well, are. And that what people what do. we do is, you're going to get to be a part of our community. Yeah, right? and our community is quite large at this point. We mm-hmm. live, we've lived there four years. Yeah. So for us to be, you can come into that as generations and go. Yeah. We'll get to experience culture. Yeah. On from a faith perspective of how we do things. Yeah. And you'll get to have a lot of. You'll get to, not only you get to experience culture, but you'll get to just. Love on us, but at the same time, which is important, I don't think I can stress that enough to people. People don't understand what an island it is. Mm-hmm. And so for us to, to have Americans come down and just know that they love us and care about us in that moment mm-hmm. is a respite that you don't understand how often you've come down a couple times and it's been a saving grace for us yeah. in a major way. Yeah, and as a added incentive... If you find that dental services are too overpriced here, I've gotten high-quality dental care while high staying quality. at your house and, and getting the work done there. And it was amazing. Best dental care I've ever had is in Columbia. It was phenomenal. And, yeah. no, so and very reasonably priced. And I've told about a 1,000. And I'm not even joking. I've literally told like a 1,000 <laughs> so people about that. go love on Joel and his family. Get some dental work done. Get a root canal or two. Like, whatever. And uh, Plastic surgery some exposure to the mission field. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. No, I, it, it, you guys, it's a big deal, but it, again, it's a cool experience. Again, we can bring you into a missional. You'll still get a missional. <laughs> last time, right? So uh, anyway, I hope this has been uh, helpful to you guys, just getting a little bit introduced to Joel and their family. Uh, he will be with us again on Sunday. We may hear from him for just a couple minutes, but we'll probably largely point you to this episode of the podcast just to kind of listen and know more. Um, but we want him to put his face uh, and name in your memory, and we'll make sure that you guys kind of know of opportunities coming up to, to be a part of that. Um, but uh, any last words from you before we sign off? No, just thanks for thanks a lot for having me. It's it cool. It's fun. I love you know I love your church. We love your church family. I love getting random emails. I get random emails like in, in the most random of days from people here, <laughs> which means a lot, right? It just means a lot. Yeah. So, so their family is one of the ones. If you go into our app and you look under our missionary partners and uh, and we get regular updates from Joel and Angel, so you can stay up to speed every month, knowing how to pray for them, uh, what's going on in their ministries, where they're experiencing successes and challenges, yeah. and and what God's doing there. And so, so we want to encourage you towards the app for that. For all of our other ministry Please. partners, this is a great way that we can support them and encourage them. Um, and, and make sure you share this as many times as you can oh yeah yeah because both can. joel needs 200 views I've for his 200 views for his that. own insecurities i think to settle those <laughs> and we need him to get we need to get 200 views so that we can get our first official sponsor first Cola sponsor. Bore. yeah i will i told him i sponsored so we're gonna do it folks. Uh, all right that's all for this week uh y'all have a great day appreciate it